It's Wednesday on Weagle, and that means it's time for some tailgate talk with Christian and Donovan, your go-to for all things college football. So get ready for a recap and a breakdown of all the college football scores, news, and predictions. So drop your tailgates, grab your playbooks, and get ready to talk some football. Welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. If you do happen to listen to the podcast we put on the uh, Weagle website, you're not going to hear any of that first half of the show because our files got corrupted, and I was sitting here trying to click on stuff. That's why I was being kind of quiet. I was letting Christian talk. I was trying to figure out how to just get the recorder back up. We finally did, so I feel like we're going to get the majority, the important stuff we want to talk about, which is the hearts and stuff. So at least we'll have that in the show. But, yeah, you're, you're only going to get about 25-minute podcast this week, so sorry about that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that they're going to try and work on it and see if there's any way to to recover it. But, again, worst-case scenario, we got, we got the best game of what could be the century to talk about. And then with all of the, the Harson and stuff drama going on, uh, it's good for good for us to be able to, to record that. So, but again, the game of the century, isn't that crazy to think? I mean, Tennessee arguably came out of nowhere. You know, we've talked about them. We've been high on them. They've, they've had the pieces that they've needed, but they can't find the centerpiece being that quarterback. Oh my gosh, they have one now in Hendon Hooker. Georgia comes in favored as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. It's the third number one versus number two in SEC history, the previous two being Alabama and LSU. Most recently, the number one LSU Tigers hosted um, – no, I'm sorry, they played Alabama on the road in Tuscaloosa, and Joe Burrow took care of business there. But what do you think about number – or I'm guessing it's now it's number one Tennessee versus number three Georgia, if we're looking at it, playoff poll, but – AP poll is still one and two. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read you this headline. The Athletic posted this just 18 minutes ago. 2022 College Football Heisman Trophy odds tracker Hendon Hooker is now the favorite ahead of CJ Strode. So that just tells you how amazing he has been playing. We've been high on him pretty much since week one. I don't want to say we called it because I think a lot of people called that this guy was going to be good, but we were really high on him yeah. pretty early, and he is he has proven to be maybe the best quarterback in college football right now. He's I think he's easily top three. You have to give him that, especially how he played in that Alabama game. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's really calm under pressure. His poise is incredible. But now, but he's, he hasn't faced an environment like this. He has, again, Bama's a different beast. But you were, you were in the perfect environment. Your fans came out. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was just cooking. It was, it was the biggest game in Tennessee football history over the last 20 years. Well, now you got another one like that. You got the next biggest game in Tennessee football history in the last in the next twenty years. You got to go to Georgia, and can Hendon Hooker pretty much live up to what he's built this entire season? Can he still play like that? And my vote is yes. I think he, I think he's going to shine in this game. But the problem is, I don't even think that that's going to be enough because Georgia again is a different base. I feel like everybody's been kind of a lull on Georgia. They haven't really looked at them lately because they really haven't played. They've kind of just gone through st- schedule mosey and they looked rough in a couple of games, especially that Missouri game. But I think people are forgetting that this Georgia team is the same team that still has those number one recruiting classes. Yeah, they have all those five stars on the field. So talent wise, Georgia still has the advantage. 
but Tennessee obviously has that hot factor. So it's one of those weird games where I don't really know who to pick. And we were talking about how it's an eight and a half point point spread, and you think that's kind of crazy since Tennessee is now ranked number one that they're that they're uh, the underdog by eight and a half points. But I think that's kind of accurate considering how these teams kind of match up. What do you think? Yeah, no. So I have a couple things for each team on why they could win. I mean, if you're looking at it from a Tennessee standpoint, you have the best offense in the country. You're putting up almost 50 points a game. Uh, you're averaging .627 points per play. That is crazy to think about. Another thing, there's no Nolan Smith, arguably the most experienced player in the Georgia secondary. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line is already very good, giving Hennon Hooker plenty of time in the pocket to throw the ball. So losing a major pass rusher, I think Georgia's defense has 10 sacks on the year, and Nolan Smith has three of them. So you're looking at one of their best pass rushers. Uh, that obviously leans the odds to the Vols. Third, again, we've mentioned it before, you have Hendon Hooker. There's, there's plenty of times where you talk about, you know, X player being the best on the field, and he can go out there and win you a game. Hendon Hooker is one of those guys where he can take over with his arm, he can take over with his legs, he can take over with his in a, with his what's the word? I guess his lack of poor decision making. His is he doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, he has a twenty nine to one total touchdown to interception ratio. And then a crazy stat here: Georgia's two and nine under Kirby Smart when they're giving up thirty points. And if, if you're telling me that Tennessee is not putting up 30 points, I don't know if I believe you. I don't believe you either. I don't say there's any way possible that they don't do that. Yeah, exactly. So that number is going to have to change. And another number that's going to have to change is they're 3-8 and eight under Kirby Smart when they give up more than 400 yards. And again, so those two numbers, you know, obviously we're just reading stats, but, you know, history seems to repeat itself. And those two things almost lean towards towards the Vols. I feel like if, if Georgia's going to win this game, it's going to have to be because of their offensive side of the ball. And, again, if we look at it for Georgia, they give up 10, 10.5 points per game. So, obviously, you're looking at it the best offense in the country versus the best defense. And unlike last year, Georgia prides themselves in their secondary. You know, last year it was all about the rush. It was stopping the run. But now it's almost the secondary that proves to be the strength and then again, let's not let's not forget about Georgia's offense. I mean, Georgia's offense is putting up um, their second in total yards at 530 compared to Tennessee's at 550. I mean, we had Stetson Bennett in the Heisman conversation, what, three weeks ago maybe, which is crazy to think about in itself. And then again, Georgia's been there. They've done that. You know, Georgia's, Georgia's felt these types of games. You know, Tennessee has with Alabama, but like you said, it was almost the perfect fit. Everything lined up. They were at home at night. Everything seemed to work out. For the ball, so having to play in essentially the opposite type of game, you know, how will Tennessee handle that? And I mean, what's going to happen? I think nothing. Again, like you said, nothing's going to surprise me in this game. I feel like it could be a twenty-one point win for Georgia. It could be a twenty-one point win for Tennessee, and that's crazy to think about. That you would look at the you look at the final score and be like, oh, okay, like that's that's what happened because it's crazy for how key every single play is going to be that any type of game could happen. Yeah, no, it's, it's weird. I hate to cut you off, but no. I, I was about to say the exact same thing you just said. Any score in this game would not surprise no. me. If Tennessee blew out Georgia, I'd be like, uh, I, I wouldn't say I expect. That wouldn't surprise me. If Georgia blew Tennessee out, wouldn't surprise me. And then, of course, what, which what I think the game will be. I think it's going to be a slugfest, and it's really just a, it's a coin flip on who you think is going to win. Yeah, the only thing that I guess would surprise me if it was like a thirteen to ten Georgia victory. Oh, like a defensive. Yeah, that okay, would be that. The, <laughs> that would be the only thing that would surprise me because again, I'm expecting the winner of this game. It's not going to be a first one to reach thirty. It's, it could honestly be a first team to reach forty. 
type of game. And again, I know I've talked about this for or this game for a long time, but uh, there, there's two key things, two more key things that I have. Uh, it comes down to the Tennessee run game. And who would have thought? You hear all about Hendon Hooker. You hear all about Jane Highlight and the, the, the weapons that he has uh, spread out on the offensive side of the ball. And a crazy stat is Tennessee runs the ball more than Georgia does. Tennessee runs the ball 38 times a game. Georgia runs the ball 31 times a game. If you would have told me that, I would would never have believed you in a million years that the best passing offense in the country has a better or runs the ball more than they do passing. And it's going to come down to how well Georgia's front seven will be able to manage that run. If they're going to, if Tennessee gets into third and eight, third and six, that's when that secondary comes into play. You can drop the linebackers on a couple guys and you're going to have two safeties over the top to prevent any sort of deep ball. And that's where Tennessee really likes to hit you. So if, if Georgia can maintain the run defense to keep it to where they're behind the chains, or if they're still at the sticks on third down, it's going to, it's going to lead towards Georgia. A lot of the, just a lot of the times, um, but if Georgia cannot handle the defense, then all of a sudden the safeties have to start creeping up. The linebackers start sinking and biting on play action because in their mind it's stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. Then all of a sudden that's when that post slant hits you or just on the go route, and that's when the one-on-one mismatch, the one-on-one mismatches happen. And then the second key thing is how fast can each team start? If Tennessee puts a quick 10 or a 14 on Georgia, you could see things start to unravel a little bit because that Georgia offense – is not used to coming from behind. Georgia is used to having five, six, seven, even eight-minute touchdown drives, which is what I think they'll need to keep Tennessee off the field. But if all of a sudden you're down 14 and then you kick a field goal and Tennessee goes up and scores, all of a sudden you're down 21 to three halfway through the third quarter, that's when that Georgia defense or the Georgia offense can panic a little bit. But then again, that can also flip. Tennessee likes to go really fast. What if they have two straight three and outs and Georgia puts up 14? Then all of a sudden Tennessee might go into panic mode of, hey, we have to score. We have to score fast. And that's when more mistakes are able, or liable to happen. And, again, we've talked about it. No score in this game is going to be surprising. Oh, man, I don't even have a prediction. I, I was trying to come up with one in the in the bullpen, and I couldn't come up with yeah, one. Yeah, real quick. We're going to go to commercial uh, a little quicker than normal, but real quick, I think this game kind of comes down to – I see Hendon Hooker. I'm not saying he's Jordan. I see him as a Michael Jordan where he's going to get his, but can Georgia uh, stunt him enough to where he's not going to just go crazy on him? I do think Georgia's going to put up points this game. So I could easily see Georgia killing Tennessee. Uh, I just – I see that. I think it all really comes down to – can Georgia limit Hendon Hooker? And I'll be honest, I don't think they're going to be able to. I think Tennessee pulls this upset uh, in quotations. But, I mean, it would be an upset in my opinion because I feel like most people expect Georgia to win this game. But I got Tennessee, but I'm not giving a score prediction because I have no idea what that would be. Yeah, you know, I'll go crazy. I'll go out on a limb here. Uh, I'll say that it will be 38-35 Georgia late in the fourth quarter. Tennessee is going to make one mistake. Hendon Hooker, I think he'll throw a late interception. Georgia will put up a touchdown with a minute and a half or two minutes. Georgia wins 45-35. Oh, I love that. So you do think Hendon Hooker is human. Well, I mean, we're, I guess we're going to see. We're going to find out. We're going to see. It's going to be one heck of a game. But we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be talking about Harson for the remaining 15 minutes of our show. But you are listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. It is that time to talk about uh, the Auburn Tigers. As reported Monday, Auburn has fired Brian Harson right after they named John Cohen, who was the former uh, Mississippi State AD, they named John Cohen athletic director, and literally like 20 minutes later, 
the news broke that Brian Harson has been fired. He did go nine and twelve at Auburn, six and seven last year, three and five this year. He did lose the Birmingham Bowl last year. Auburn has to pay him seven point five million in the next thirty days. They have to pay him a little over fifteen in total. And then Cadillac Williams, one of my favorite Auburn Tigers in history, has been named interim head coach. It is the shortest tenure uh, for an Auburn head coach in ninety years. So. Just kind of what what happened in these in these past like year and a half that kind of shaped this firing. It's crazy to think about how fast everything unfolded, but it was also crazy to think that it's it's crazy looking from the outside in to think that only one party was wrong. If we're being honest, I feel like both parties were wrong. As much as I don't think Harson was given a fair a fair trade and a fair opportunity. At the same time, you didn't really help your case. So you can look at it both ways, but I feel like you honestly have to look at it both ways. And again, that's just crazy how everything unfolded as quickly as it did. Uh, I know you have you have a decent little spiel that I'll let I'll let you you go ahead and take the mic for just because I want to hear what everything you have to say. Yeah, so I have right here. I'll just say this, these two bullet points. I said two things can be true at the same time. The SEC, this Auburn job was yeah. was a too was too uh, probably too much for Harson. I think that's fair to say, and I think that's what everybody is saying, especially around Auburn. But this is what the Auburn fans don't want to say. Um, really, no backing since he got here uh, at all. You had that off season stuff. That no offense, it kind of just felt like, especially after it came out, it just kind of felt like a witch hunt. Like they were just trying to find, okay, we we gotta find some way to get him fired. So yeah. let's just uh, let's just make up these like allegations and. It's just tough for me because while I do think at this point it was the right move and he did need to go and you know the the team didn't look great, it's really hard to coach when you have no support from the the people that are paying your check. Yeah. And I just feel like – I felt like he got here. It was an Allen Green hire who he, he is no longer here. It was an Allen Green hire. It was an Allen Green hire solely. And – the people, the uh, the head honchos at Auburn that really make the decisions, don't, I don't think they really wanted him. No. And after a six and six season, which it was your first season, to me you should get a couple seasons to just get your recruiting class integrated. After that first season, they were like, we don't want this guy. We got to find some way to get him out. They tried it. They failed. Uh, Good on Harson though. I feel like he handled that with class. Definitely. Again, it's it's hard for me again because it 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 didn't look good. The recruiting was bad, but you also killed the recruiting class because of that too. I don't know. It, it's two things at once. Yes, I think he was in over his head. Probably not the right hire, but also had no support, and it's just kind of upsetting because I would have liked to see what he had done with support, and and it might not have made any difference. That's the thing. It might not have made any difference. But this guy was a rock star at Boise State, so I just I just don't see how he was just such a colossal failure here, and I feel like a lot of that played into it. Yeah, no, it definitely did. I mean, it seemed like even from day one when he came in and essentially told the – if we want to call them boosters, I think that's, that's – a, that's a, I about res- to say. That's I'll, a respectable word. Yeah, so. I was tiptoeing around because we don't want to say too much, but yeah. But, boosters. I mean, that's, that's what they are. Um, as soon as they found out that he was not going to run – this program as quote a democracy if we want to call it that like it was going to be his program and again I feel like that's how a program should be run I think that's I mean you look over at Alabama who runs the Alabama program 
I was about to say, Nick Saban got there in 2006. He said, hey, guys, this is this is my team now. Yeah, and went 7-6 seven, went seven and six in his first year and has made the improvement every single year. Granted, that improvement wasn't necessarily made from year one to year two with Auburn. But at the same time, when you're supposed to be out there recruiting for the upcoming recruiting class, you're trying to get guys from the transfer portal, you're not able to do that because you're having to fight for your life as not only a coach but as a human being with respect. The fact that – your personal name, not from a talent standpoint, but from a character standpoint, is being tried at such a harsh rate that it was. I mean, even if I loved the dude, I wouldn't go there just because of all the inside turmoil and the drama that was going on. So it's like, what do you, you know, what do you expect? You almost shot yourself in your in the you shot, you shot yourself in the foot because all those all of those allegations ended up being false and. Again, like you said, credit to Harson for handling it the way that he did. It almost like made everybody even more mad that those were wrong. And I feel like that's such a crazy thing to think about that it's like, oh, wow, these allegations of player mistreatment and player use and whatever the sexual cases were, like those were false. And everybody's like, dang it. Like what? Like that's such a crazy thing to think about. I know. It's, cr- it's I don't know why this is always an issue with Auburn because – in the early 2000s, you know, you had the famous story. They wanted out, mm-hmm. and that, yeah, and they, and they flew, was it Bobby Petrino or yeah. Uh, yeah, and they flew in Bobby Petrino at night. I mean, you had that, you had that storm, and then just a couple years ago, I know we don't want to talk about it, and look, I, I want, I'll be honest, I did want Gus gone, but the way they did that with the Kevin Steele stuff, they, be, I mean, I mean, it's trying to yeah undercut, uh, undercut, especially uh, just. Auburn just – it just seems like it's always messy. It's messy, 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 and you don't get this with any other program. And we're lucky we're not just dead in the water because of all the stuff that's happened. It's just – if you were a head coach, would you want to come here after all this? Because I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't. I, I, would, I wouldn't want to deal with this. And if I did come here, I would do what Brian Harson did, like, hey, y'all going to get out of my way, and I'm going to run this how I want to run it. And, yeah, I might fail, but we're going to do it my way. And, you know, you have to give coaches free reign to run their program. That is what you're paying. That's why they're getting so much money. Yeah. You're paying them five, six, seven million dollars to win football games. Let them go win football games. Let them do what they need to do. Like, trust like trust your hire. And, you know, I don't care. Maybe you didn't like the hire, Brian Harson, but guess what? That's who you're dealt with now. It's the famous, it's the famous saying when, let's say uh, – the person you didn't vote for uh, gets the presidency. Well, that's your president now. Right. So that 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 that's who's in charge of the country. So you, you should hope that he does good because if he does good, that benefits you. It's the same thing with Auburn. You you might not like the Brian Harson hire, but Auburn's your team. You still go for him. You want him to succeed, and it just it just feels like there's been a lot of people and Auburn fans too that just like they didn't like that they were just done with him on day one. Again, I don't want to give him. I, I don't want to. Just let him off the hook because I I definitely think this is a both sides issue. But right. again, you know I don't I don't want to get reiterate, but just not not a whole lot of backing. Yeah, well, no. Well, I mean I'll say one thing. I can't promise. I can't make the promise that this year would have been different had Harson won more games this past year or if he beat Alabama. But I will make one promise to you. If Auburn goes nine and three, if Auburn goes ten and two, if Auburn goes eleven and one and beats Bama, none of this happens. You know why? Because Auburn won football games. Yeah, I don't think that stuff happens in February, March either. If uh, if Harson goes nine and three in his first year, no. Um, I think it's just a classic case of everybody says it and it's true. Auburn's the hardest job in the country because Auburn fans expect to be a ten win team every right. year. 
with even, their schedule. With their and and it's the hardest schedule in the country. And I, I'll, I'll admit, I, I'm one of those fans. I want to be successful. I see Alabama. I see LSU. I see Georgia. I want to. I like. We we have as much money as them. We we're in the South just like them. Why aren't we should be doing that too? So. I don't know. I think Auburn fans have to tamper expectations, but just like give a guy a chance to recruit and build a team, and not just automatically sh- like, "Hey, he goes six and six this year. Oh, he's a terrible coach." Yeah, like, come on, guys. I mean, just. I uh, mean, if, to give a perfect example, and I think we'll get into this for the last few minutes of possible coaching coaching hires. But tell me where Ole Miss was five or six years ago they're kind of in the position that we are now where it's borderline the laughing stock of the SEC West, if not the SEC. Lane Kiffin comes in there. Look what he's doing now. He won a New Year's Six Bowl last year. They're rated in the top whatever. I don't know what their first playoff rating was, but they're a not only a relevant team, but they're a contender year in and year out because of what he's essentially had the freedom to be able to do. And again, we talk about all of the mistreatment stuff until that stuff comes out true, that's kind of, you just have to take it for what it is. If with, with everything that happened in the preseason, you heard all these guys that left saying all these things, but then you heard John Samuel Schenker and you heard Colby Wooten say things about defending Harson, saying, you know, we didn't ask for a best friend. We asked for a coach. We didn't ask for somebody that's going to, you know, pat our back when we do something wrong. We want somebody who's going to be you know, on our butt, chewing us out, making sure that we do things the right way. And if you give me two of those opinions, which like which side do you think that I'm going to take? Am I going to take the guy who left and, I mean, went essentially went back to Gus, went back to the player-friendly coach that knew that they would be able to get their way versus somebody who stayed, took the hard road, defended the coach while it wasn't the very popular thing to do? Whose opinion are we supposed to take? I'm obviously going to take Schenker and Wooten just because of – the fact that they stayed, that opinion means so much more. And, I mean, they're now the captains of this team. But then again, you know, we have to look at it from both ways. Auburn football came, became tough to watch. No, it was really bad. And, again, I know I just – but 9-12, and 6-7 first year, 3-5, and five, and just no uh, real improvement either. No. And uh, I mean, the, we the, talk about it where you, – you just mentioned it with all of our rivals. We've essentially taken the little brother role with Alabama, with Georgia, and even with LSU now. And if we want to talk about it, we've become, I guess, the Vandy of the SEC, or the SEC West now. Like it's, and if you're if you're an Auburn program, like that's that's you can that can't happen. That's unexcusable. It's unacceptable, uh, not only for the program but for everything that happens within the program and for all the fans. You're you're expected to compete at a contender level every single year, and. When you go three and ten in your last thirteen contests, that's that's rough to do. You look at you take out the Mercer game uh, from the the beginning of this year. Auburn is eleven points and a miracle from the good Lord from being one and twelve in their last thirteen games. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of interesting because it has it's looked awful this year, and we won't know this till many years down the road once Harson because he's got to get another job somewhere. Yeah. Um, and once Harson gets another job somewhere and what happens there, it really won't be till he's back in a big group of five job. Was it, oh, well, this is just Harson's just not a good coach or 
Was it really, oh, well, he just didn't have the thing. Well, I, it's just it's a lot of questions we don't know, and I know people are just giving their opinions, like, oh, no, he's a terrible coach, or, oh, no, it was all, the, it was all he didn't get any support. Again, I think both things can be true at once, and we won't really know for a couple years which one had the bigger effect because it was brutal. Auburn yeah. football was brutal. It, it still, it probably, I mean, it's, oh, no offense, it probably still is going to be brutal to watch this year. You know, we got State coming up. Um, we got to go to Starkville, and I, I wish the best because I love Carnell. I, I I think it'd be amazing. We went in there and won. I just uh, if we do somehow beat State, I, I I know I know what Auburn fans are gonna say. He was the problem. It was him, Harson, yeah. and they might and they might be right. But again, I think guys, we gotta look at the big picture. Wait a couple years, we'll see. And I think the big thing is uh, just real quick. Andy Cohen is now the AD. You gotta let him run the program. Yeah, you do. You hired him. Let him run the program. Let him go. Look for people, whether that be Kiffin, whether that be Hugh Freeze. I know people are like, oh, we don't want Hugh. He's not an Auburn man. Okay. Whether it be Hugh Freeze, whether that be Deion Sanders, with the flashy hire, yeah. you got to let him go make a hire and you got to let that coach uh, basically be a head coach. Let him run the program. Yeah. It's time to, to pass the torch. We have to essentially make that change from the old standard to the new standard if we want to keep up in college football and the SEC. Uh, We were going to talk about possible coaching hires, but I think we're going to have to save that for next week. One thing that I would encourage uh, any Auburn fan, go listen to the Josh Pate piece on YouTube about Brian Harson and Auburn. Um, There's not too many reporters and college football analysts that respect Auburn, truthfully. But that piece from Josh Pate, both of us are very high on him, and I love watching him and all of his little segments. But the thing about Auburn, it's not all positive, but everything that he said is the most accurate thing that I have heard in a very, very long time. And I know that you said that you listened to it too and you agreed because I feel like that's what we've been saying all year. And the fact that a voice that has a fan base and a voice that has legitimate reason said all of those things it's it's very important it brings out a harsh reality but at the same time it brings a lot of truth to the understanding of if auburn can get out of its own way the program the the sky the sky is literally the limit no it really is like please i, I encourage y'all to go listen to that because that 10 minutes is like the most truthful 10 minutes of that this is auburn and this is how Auburn fans think, but this is what's really happening. Yeah, and it's it's great. It, it's it's ten little minutes, and he explains it perfectly. And he's really been talking about this for a couple of years now. Josh Pate's really been on it. He's if you, if y'all haven't listened to him, go listen to him. He's he's really great at what he does. Yeah, he really is. And again, it's not all positive, but it's all true, and it's stuff that we've been saying for the entire year. But that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one FM. Make sure to keep up with us on social media, on Twitter, at underscore tailgate talk. Feel free to drop a comment and ask us any questions you may have. Uh, Hopefully, we're we're hoping to get this show up to an hour and a half or two hours where we can accept some callers. Uh, But until then, make sure to come back and listen to us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. For Donovan Weaver, I'm Christian Griffin. Thanks again for listening to Tailgate Talk. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Tailgate Talk with Christian and Donovan. Tune in next week, same time, same place, Wednesdays at 3 for your weekly dose of college football.